certainly in springtime, that kind of brings in a sense of new beginning, right? Sense of new life, kind of coming out of the kind of doldrums of winter-ish. And I realize here in Tucson, we don't suffer in the same way that others do. Uh, I can speak from growing up in the Midwest. Trust me, it was gray. Um, and there was something about spring when you saw the trees come to life and you saw the birds chirping once again. And people began to even be more friendlier in that time as well. You'd go on walks and people would actually say hi to you. And it was just this idea of this newness. And there are so many things that symbolize Easter, right? Uh, Easter bunny is one of those things. Um, eggs is another one of those things. Um, candy, right? Uh, is another one of those things. And, you know, all sorts, even candy eggs, like that Cadbury eggs, which I find really disgusting. Um, I, I don't understand the, the value of taking an egg and making it into a candy. That's just wrong, in my opinion. That is just something that should never have been done, ever. Okay? Ever. Uh, so th- there's all these symbolisms. And of course, for us as Christians, it's the empty tomb. What is really interesting is that one of the symbols I don't like to see at Easter time is the cross. Um, I tell our staff here that anything that we do for Easter, I don't want to see the cross on it. The one Sunday I don't want highlighted is the cross, is Easter Sunday. It's the empty tomb. It's the empty tomb. Maybe you have your own symbols for Easter as well. Maybe it's Easter dinner, ham, and those wonderful things, right? Um, having family over, doing an Easter egg hunt, all that sort of stuff. Let me throw into the mix another symbol, and that is a trash can. Now, hang with me for just a second. I understand that you might be thinking, why in the world, Dan, would a trash can be a symbol of Easter because we know what a trash can is for, don't we? We throw away stuff we have deemed unworthy, no longer valuable. We know what a trash can is there for. It is to take care of the stuff we no longer want, that we want to get rid of, that we no longer want to deal with. We look at a trash can and we say, this stuff holds the stuff that I have now gotten my use out of and want no more. This is a place where things that we no longer consider valuable go to die. Right? And what's even better than that is a trash can itself is, if it was real and had could speak and all this kind of stuff, and you asked it, what do you do for a living? We would probably, and they said, you know, I'm a trash can. We would probably go, wow, I'm so sorry. What a meaningless life you must have. You hold stuff that other people have now considered to be meaningless. Absolutely meaningless. Do you, do you see already why it's a symbol of Easter? No. Okay. I get it. Hang with me just a little bit further. Because a trash can, because it holds stuff we no longer consider to be valuable, holds stuff that you know, ultimately where things go to die, where things go to get burned up or whatever happens to the trash, we now all of a sudden look at a trash can and we don't think very much of it. In fact, in my house, there is a constant 
at least in my own mind, battle between emptying the trash, taking what was in the trash out to the trash can. Again, and that's all, you know what that really is? It's just taking something from a smaller bin into a much larger bin. And then something comes along once a week that's an even larger bin that takes that bin and empties it. It's just a series of emptiness, isn't it? Because we don't want trash sitting around. Because trash begins to stink. Because trash begins to overflow in my house, the trash tends to, when no one wants to take it out, not only do we close the lid that's already popping out, but we put stuff on top of it. Is that all of a sudden that makes it much better. Like, someone just take the trash out. Someone just deal with this whole thing. And so oftentimes, a trash can is kind of, in many ways, a symbol of emptiness. And what I mean by that, it's a place of hopelessness. It's a place of nothingness. It's a place of even despair. Because only things that go in this are things that are trash. Things that are no longer valuable. Things that no longer are alive or useful. In many ways... A trash can is like a grave. It's a grave for our stuff. It's a grave for our stuff. This morning, um, we are going to take a look at the reality that a trash can has in terms of emptiness, but at the same time, what a grave has when it comes to emptiness. Despair and hopelessness and nothingness. Because there are a couple of things I want to share with you this morning as it pertains to the resurrection. The first one is this. Without the resurrection, we are in a place of emptiness. Like as this trash can represents and as a grave represents, without the resurrection, we are in a constant perpetual state of emptiness, of despair, of hopelessness. The Apostle Paul shares what this looks like. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse 12, he says the following. He says, now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, that of which I am doing right now. But not only that, our faith is also in vain. Moreover, he's piling on. We are even found to be false witnesses of God because we have testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead were not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised... Your faith is worthless. Let me say that again. Your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Worthless, emptiness, despair, nothingness, no hope whatsoever. Because we are still in our sins. We are still fallen, broken people. He goes on, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. 
And if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. That is tough. Think about it this way. When Jesus was buried after hanging on the cross on what we now call Good Friday, He was put in a tomb. The stone was rolled in front of the entranceway. His disciples, who had followed Jesus, who had given up their lives for Jesus, who had given up everything to follow Him, who had been with Him for three years, who had seen Him do unbelievable miracles, who had seen Him and been taught by Him, who had been told that I am going away, then I will be coming back. But nonetheless, they held on to the words, I am going away. And then to find out their Savior, whom they even acknowledged as Savior, was now arrested, put on trial, and now hung on a cross and dead in a tomb with the stone rolled over it. The despair they must have felt. The hopelessness. The emptiness, the place where they now found themselves must have been hard because on that first Easter morning when the Marys, two Marys, two women went to the tomb, they didn't go in the hopes of finding Jesus alive. You know what they went to the tomb to do? To finish up the job what the men on Friday didn't finish up. Ladies, does that sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Can I get an amen? Not too loud, not too loud. Right? I mean, that Joseph and Nicodemus began that process of preparing Jesus' body for burial, but because it was the eve of the Sabbath, that Passover, they had to finish it up quickly. And of course, men didn't leave that work and left it unfinished. Well, Mary and Mary came to the tomb to finish that work. They had even brought more spices to finish up preparing Jesus' body, hoping and expecting absolutely that He would still be in that tomb knowing as a result of that, that they were still in a place of emptiness and despair. Think about that for just a moment. The tomb where Jesus was laid was like this trash can. A symbol of emptiness. Where faith goes to die where everything that Jesus had said, that tomb seemed to represent the complete opposite. That's what those women probably had in their minds as they went there that morning. Because if they were going there to expect Jesus to have been risen the dead, trust me, they wouldn't have brought spices. They would have brought something different. How hard it is that life would be if we lived only in the shadow of the cross. That if we lived only in the shadow of death. And to have it confirmed three days later that Jesus was still dead inside a tomb. What hope would there be in life? What would we as followers of Jesus have been able to continue to hold on to? It would just be a horrible, horrible thing. And not only that, Paul is just blunt about it when he says, if that was the reality, 
we as followers of Jesus are to be most pitied. To be most pitied. Do you know what it means to pity someone? We do. We know what it means to pity others. We feel sorry for them. We feel sorry for their ignorance. We feel sorry for their foolishness. We feel sorry for the things that they believed in that didn't actually take place. Are you feeling bad enough now? Are you glad you came to Easter morning here? Are you feeling good about yourself? I hope so, because that's not where the story ends, does it? Because here's the thing. Although without the resurrection, we would be in a place of emptiness, the reality is there has been a resurrection. Because with the resurrection now, we are in a position of being emptied out so we can receive eternal life. Listen to what Paul writes next after this. And I love this in verse 20 of 1 Corinthians 15. He says this, but, and if you've been here any time at Summit Ridge, you know that word but is an incredibly important word. It's one of my favorite words in all of Scripture. Why? Because everything before it is canceled out in favor of everything that comes after it. And here's what comes after this word but. Now Christ has been raised from the dead. Amen? He has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by man he came death, but by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all are made alive. Amen. Amen. But in each his own order, Christ the first fruits, after that those who are at Christ's at his coming. Then comes the end. And when his hands over the kingdom of the of to the God and Father when He has abolished all rule and all authority and power. It has happened. Jesus is the first fruits. In other words, what that means is simply this. Jesus is the first one to go ahead and die and be raised back to life. And not just a physical life like Lazarus. Not just a physical life like Lazarus. But more than that, eternal life. In other words, if those of us who are followers of Jesus want to know what future we have, look to Jesus. He is the first fruits of that life. And let me tell you what. He is alive, He is well, and He is with God right now. That is our future. And not only that, not only is Jesus the first fruits of it, He's the guarantee of it. He is the guarantee of it. We can trust it. Because he has been raised from the dead and now he guarantees that what happened to him can happen to us. Can absolutely happen to us. It's interesting that Scripture now shares what happens as a result of the resurrection and what is shared about the resurrection. Let me share a couple of passages with you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. That is because of the resurrection. Without the resurrection, this would not be possible. Revelation chapter 1, 17 through 18. Don't be afraid, Jesus says. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, 
I'm alive forever and ever. Romans 10.9 If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you and I will what? Be saved. That's all because of the resurrection. I love how several prominent authors, theologians, have shared the reality of Jesus' resurrection. Listen to just a few of these. Josh McDowell says this, No matter how devastating our struggles, disappointments, and troubles are, they are only temporary. No matter what happens to you, no matter the depth of tragedy or pain you face, no matter how death stalks you and your loved ones, the resurrection promises you a future of immeasurable good. Few people seem to realize that the resurrection of Jesus is the cornerstone to a worldview that provides the perspective to all of life. Chuck Swindoll says this, The devil, darkness, and death may swagger and boast. I love that. May swagger and boast. The pangs of life will sting for a while longer, but don't worry. The forces of evil are breathing their last. Not to worry, He's risen. Charles Spurgeon, Emmanuel, God with us in our nature, in our sorrow, in our life work, in our punishment, in our grave, and now with us, or rather we with Him, in resurrection, ascension, triumph, and second advent splendor. Clarence Hall, Easter says you can put truth in the grave, but it won't stay there. And finally, Timothy Keller, The resurrection means not merely that Christians have a hope for the future, but that they have hope that comes from the future. What a beautiful thing. A tomb that was a symbol where things that have died are placed in, where there is no hope, where there is nothingness, and in many ways, despair has now become a place of life, of hope. has become a symbol that everything we are experiencing now, as hard as it may be, hang on, it won't last forever. There is a future much better than we can ever possibly imagine. And that's all because of the resurrection. Let me just say this. The tomb is empty, but it is not full of emptiness. The tomb is empty, but it is not full of emptiness. It is now a symbol of life. Only Jesus could have done that. Only Jesus could have done that. I have done, as a pastor, probably over 40 funerals. I count. Yes. 40 funerals. And I can tell you, the hardest funerals to do are those who don't know Jesus. The hardest funerals to do are those who don't know Jesus. Because what future do we have if we don't have Jesus? What future do we have if we don't embrace the empty tomb? What future do we have? I'll admit this. The problem that I sometimes do and that other pastors sometimes do and that some churches sometimes do is we emphasize the cross so much that we fail to emphasize 
the empty tomb. The cross is only a beginning of the story. The empty tomb is the end of the story. What good is it to stay at the beginning without completing it? The empty tomb is the end. This is where it ends, right here. The tomb is empty, but it is not filled with emptiness. Much like this trash can. Yes, this trash can is a symbol of where things go to die. But you know what? A trash can can easily be made into a bucket. It can hold things like water that you can drink out of after you thoroughly wash it. (laughs) And not before. It can be used for water to bathe in it. It can be used to carry things like toys that bring happiness to a child or supplies. But the only way that that can happen is if it empties itself out or if it is emptied out to receive that which can be life-giving. You know what I can't help to think is that when those disciples came to the tomb that morning, after the women who had went there to prepare Jesus' body and discovered that indeed He was not there anymore. Think about that. Not there. And runs to tell the disciples. And of course, Peter and John get into a little running competition. Maybe not. But John makes sure to say that I got there first. Because after all, if you get to write, you get to share your version of the story. And he gets there first. And to discover that this tomb is empty. Wow. How their whole life changed. And what what needed to happen in that moment and did is that everything that they had held up to that point, the emptiness, the hopelessness, the thoughts that they had about how things should have gone or would have gone, the thought that they said, Jesus is dead, we're done for, the movement is done, there's no more hope. All of a sudden now, in that moment, they emptied themselves of those things and Jesus came. Eternal life. Eternal life. Right there. You know what the beautiful thing about Christianity and following Jesus is? It's this. The world offers us promises that are full of emptiness. But the empty tomb offers us promises that are now fulfilled. Let me say that again. The world offers us promises that are full of emptiness. Leaves us hopeless, in despair, But the empty tomb offers us promises that are now fulfilled. My hope this morning is for two things. One is that you will never look at a trash can the same again. The symbol of Easter. Something that was meaningless, emptiness. A symbol of that is now, can be, even a symbol of life. Anything can be. But more importantly and secondly is this, that you and I would embrace the empty tomb. That we would realize that despair, that hopelessness, that that's not how it has to end for us. That what we think of this life now 
because of the resurrection, can be so much more. That what we think that will happen to us after we are no longer alive on this earth, maybe we're just simply buried and then that's it. Let me just tell you, because of the resurrection, trust me, it's so much more. It's so much more. And my hope is is that we would be willing to empty ourselves out of those previous beliefs, thoughts, whatever it is we think about this life and whatever we believe about this life and thinking that maybe this life is all we have, this life is all there is, that when we die, that's it, that there is no other life outside of this one, that I'm going to be clinging to the promises that the world says I should be clinging to. And maybe right now you're sitting here today and you're feeling as though, you know what, that's not enough. That's simply not enough. My hope is is that you and I would be willing to empty ourselves out so we can receive eternal life. That Jesus would step into that and say, here is the life I have for you. That's the beautiful hope of an empty tomb. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, please. Father, I don't know how you do it, but you can take things like a trash can even. An object that seems to be as though it is something we may not even think much about, but when we do, we don't think happy thoughts about it at all. And yet, turn it into something that can be very hopeful. The same thing with a tomb. The same thing with death. Jesus, I am grateful that You are alive today, that the resurrection happened, that You are the first fruits of the life that any single one of us who choose to follow You can have. Life eternal, Jesus. I pray this morning, please, Help us to empty ourselves out before You of anything that has prevented us from receiving the life that You now offer every single one of us. Jesus, I pray today that we would embrace You. That we would embrace now what You have to offer us, eternal life, Jesus. And that we would rejoice. That we would celebrate The fact that the tomb is now empty. Only you could have done this, Jesus. Only you could have made this transformation possible. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your holy and precious name that we pray. Amen.